0: Hello and welcome to episode 136 of Owls America Cast. I am not Jeff today or any day. I'm Evan today and every day. I'm uh, happy to be with you from Ohio. Uh, actually, no drink in hand. I need to stay sober in case I have to drive my wife to the uh, to the hospital on short notice. Um, if you're new to the podcast, I'm about to have a child. Uh, we will have one by the end of this week god willing looking forward to that looking forward kind of to talking sheffield wednesday with two american owls one is in new york it's our new york owl pat jones patty what are you drinking tonight
1: even evan thanks for uh, coming on the podcast as host it's nice to have you back on um I am um, drinking an old fashioned. Um, I originally um, I was doing the gender for this about an hour ago, and it stressed me out so much. I, I did um, a little bit of a edible kind of little lozenge thing, a mixture of uh, THC and CBD, and I thought that'd chill me out for the podcast. But the taste is so bad that I um, got a whiskey to wash it down.
0: <laughs> you still finished it?
1: Oh yeah, it was just dissolved in my mouth. Yeah, so nice. we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
0: What's the uh, what's the content? What's the the mix of CBD to THC? It's taste? not.
1: It's it's relative. It's 50 pretty much. But I'm not sure what the actual uh, milligrams are. So it, I think it's relatively low. Nice. It'll still like send me to sleep in the next hour, so.
0: Yeah, of course. We'll try <laughs> to rush through this. I don't think anyone wants to listen to an hour-long podcast right now. Anyway. Also joining me in New England, our New England Al Justin. Justin, good to see you again. What are you drinking tonight?
2: Evan, good to see you, and uh, congratulations to you and Rachel, preemptively. Good luck, bud. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, no, it should be good. Um, I'm, uh, as discussed in a previous pod, I'm, I'm trying to keep my head clean here at times. Last week didn't go so well, so I'm on the bits and bubs tonight. Uh, a little bit of bitters with some uh, soda water, and uh, I think I'll probably uh, have a couple fingers of some casamigos uh tequila once we get off of this pod when i really want to uh wind down and edibles of course but that's just a given at this point
0: <laughs> for the folks at home please do not mix edibles with tequila no matter unless, you're a, pro. unless oh, whiskey. you're a pro whiskey's fine though right whiskey's all right okay whiskey's all right that's just that just puts you to sleep doesn't it <laughs> We've got a few things to talk about on episode 136. Not many that we'd like to talk about, but it is our duty. It is our obligation. And it is our honor to talk Sheffield Wednesday with you and for you. Before we start, make sure while you're listening, as long as you're not driving, go over and follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Find us on Facebook at Owls Americas. But let's get into the Middlesbrough review. The 3-1 loss, an epic collapse. Justin, same old, same old.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing we've seen for, you know, since Darren Moore has come aboard. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because I like a lot of of what, you know, him and his staff, um, you know, Jamie Smith's been running the show the last couple of weeks have really done. But, you know, we look pretty good going forward. We have some chances. We show that we can compete with these mid table and and occasionally even higher sides, uh, in a general sense. And then we inevitably miss an easy chance and we do some terribly boneheaded individual defensive error that leads to the other team finishing their chances. And that's, it just, it's the same thing over and over and over again. It's getting, it's
1: getting a little bit old. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's It's so frustrating, right? Justin, I mean, you could see it happening a mile off that first goal we, we conceded. Um, Burner with just a terrible touch from play, trying to play it out from the back. To it was with, an
2: am- amateur touch.
1: It was yeah. an amateur touch. It was a simple ball played to him. It didn't need to be that well controlled it wasn't like a difficult opportunity for him to get under control uh and it just bounced about six feet in front of him it was it wasn't even close to being controlled <laughs> it was so far ahead of him giving Blassie the opportunity to rob him of the ball and after that it was a one-horse race between him and Blassie because he wasn't getting anywhere near him and then actually it was uh, Tom Leeds I think in the end they got the closest and got a deflection that actually made it impossible for Westwood to get anything on um and it's just, it was just tailing the handstand, wasn't it? It was like, we've seen this, like I said, over and over again, this, the lack of concentration, the lack of quality at the back. Um, you, you do wonder at what expense um, would we have made so many mistakes in the last 10 games or so under Moore's, um guidance if we ditched the plane out of the back? If we did just lump it forward, do you think we'd have been equally as trounced as we have been? Because I think while we have definitely seen better attacking forward, attacking attacking movements going forward, we've probably seen more defensive areas too, right, since we started playing this way.
2: Well, that's that's the quality. Like you said earlier, you know, maybe there's a lack of, um, you know... Not effort per se, but just you know, a lot of issues here: a lack of focus, a lack of concentration. I think all these guys are trying. I just think they lack the skill. And, and I think the problem is if you have you know these players who are not built to play out of the back. Frankly, we've we've talked about this over and over again. Um, and you ask them to do that, they're going to make mistakes. However, if they just go back to lumping the ball up, uh, we're going to be scoring at the Tony Pulis rate. One assumes maybe not quite that bad, but it's the trade-off that we have got right now. We just don't have the skill
1: um to to do this defensively um right now. And you say the trade-off and it, it, the trade-off is working to some extent. I think so um, I think it was Domhausen power a stat about the XG going up 33% since Darren Moore's been in um in charge. Now XG is a much kind of like divisive kind of uh, metric in the first place. But the the goals need to be scored. It's not just the expected goals. We need to get them in the back of the net. So we might be creating more chances, which is better. Let's say it's, it's better than what we were doing under Poulis and to some extent under, under Thompson. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure at uh, what expense. Uh, like I said, the, the quality's not there at the back to play out this way, but we are creating more chances through this method too. We just We just haven't looked comfortable at all uh, at the back. And we always look like we're going to concede at least one goal and make one cock up.
2: Well, I, you know, I really wonder too, you know, how much of this at, at this point in for this team, that's been in complete collapse for 15 months now, 16 months ever since, uh, boxing day, 2019, this team has been in trouble and they just given that, given the, you know, global pandemic and everything going on there, uh, the losing, like it's just, it's just too much for these guys. And you can see it. I, I think everybody cares. I think everybody's trying. They just, they're, they're done. I mean, they've looked like a sinking ship for a while. And I, I think soccer, I think a lot of sports have this, but I, I think in, in football, the the momentum and, and, you know, the way that things can weigh on you, it's, it's staggering. I mean, these guys look like, you know, boxers that have been getting beat up for, nine rounds, you know, it just, you know, we're stumbling along and, and doesn't seem like anything's going to keep us on our feet.
0: It doesn't seem like the, all right, we get, we go back to this. We go back to this often as well, but it, it just, when you have such a problem focusing for 90 minutes, you, you mentioned at, at the, at the beginning of, of the segment, That we play it, we can play at a high level. We have, we have, we have decent players, but there's always a couple mental lapses that destroy us, right? And you wonder if it's, if it's the inconsistent culture that that provides that inconsistent play.
2: Well, some of that's a skill too, right? Like I think Patty's the one who always likes to say that if Kadeem Harris could cross, he wouldn't be with us; he'd be in the Premier League. Right, And and so these are guys who do have skill and who do have the ability to play at a certain level, but maybe they lack that fundamental ability to be consistent mentally for 90 minutes. And that's a skill. There's no doubt that's a skill. And maybe that's a skill they lack, which is why they're languishing at the bottom of the championship right now.
1: And I think also that's, just, that's I, I don't know if it's less of a skill or mentality, right? So I think, you, yeah, you, you, we're both on the same thing here, but that's the thing that's harder to turn around. You can tell people to, ser- to play a certain way and to keep the ball at back and do short passes and have overlaps. That's a strategy and tactics you can put in place. If you, if someone on your team's made an error, and you, or even you yourself has made an error, and it happens every single game, to get that around in your head though, and some, when it happens again is a fucking massive overhaul. I mean, it's like, it's the difference between getting physically fit and mentally fit. It's you can very easily prescribe a way to get physically fit that can help most people. It's not the same way to get mentally fit, it's going to be different horses for courses, and you've got different. It's much more kind of like uh, a difficult way to kind of uh, improve yourself. Uh, To do that at a squad level and a team level is a gargantuan task, and it was always going to be an uphill battle for Darren Mo anyway. But it just feels like it said, Stephen, like I said, Justin, it just feels like. They're tired. They're, they're, they're mentally tired. They're physically tired. They're, they're running empty. And the only thing that's going to save us now is it looks like that Derby and Rotherham are in the same boat as us, are in that same kind of uh, level of knackeredness and just haven't got anything left in the tank. And it's going to be down to who's got the the most minute level of quality left in them for the last four games in Rotherham, say, but two games in Arden Derby's at Ar- D- stake. It's just. um yeah it's it's a it's a race to the bottom oh. <laughs> it's depressing to watch every week it is it's the slowest death possible i we were watching it at the football factory uh on saturday with those those four of us there and the borough those three borough fans Ellen obviously you've met before on the podcast and they felt sorry for us and it was it, it well it was genuine like i mean Ellen's a friend of ours now, so we know we know that she's genuine. But it was like, we don't want, this is painful to watch you <laughs> suffer in this way. It was like putting, a, a, like I said, a sick dog to, to, to rest. It's, it was a horrible thing to watch. But it's, um, I wish it was just over. And we said this for the last few weeks in a row. I wish it would just end. The way it's been dragged out because everyone around us is just as bad as us is, is painful.
2: This is uh multiple uh, snuffing out old animals references uh, <laughs> on this pod the last couple of weeks i think it's a mood right now i think it's a mood
1: it's all, yeah unfortunately that's the comparison that's best uh, ex- explains the situation um right. on. now I, was, I wasn't gonna labor on the point but uh, i want to talk a little bit about the defense um uh, Obviously, Tom Lee's went off quite early. Um, I felt quite bad that I didn't feel too much when he went off perfectly injured. In some respects, thought, well, the way we're performing, that might actually improve us. But obviously, my well, best regards go out to actually his health, and we don't want Tom Lee's to be injured and out for a while. He's still a professional. He's still uh, put his uh, effort in for Wednesday over the years. Uh, but there was, was parts of me that thought, well, maybe Origida is going to be a better fit in this back three than he has been over the last few, few weeks. Um, I don't think I was proven right by that initial comment because I think Urugidi was at fault for at least one of the goals. Uh, and it, it was a it's a fault of his we've seen before. Um, he's not naturally a good jumper, um, but neither is Tom Lee's. Uh, we seem to lose a lot of headers in the box. Um, when you've got Hutch and Urugidi back there, um, Burner to some extent, I mean, he should win more headers, but, uh, but essentially when you've got like as many people's cover as you do back there, you've got to have at least three defenders that can win a header in, in, in the box and it doesn't like we've got more than one on more occasions I don't even think we have one well Bernard does win his fair share of headers I was, I was kind of backtracking a bit of myself but then
2: yeah.
1: he also loses quite a lot of headers as well yeah. <laughs> he's more inconsistent but at least he wins some whereas uh, Tom Lees and Origidi and Sam Hutchinson doesn't win many in the air whatsoever uh, and it's maybe it's a, it's a lack of height maybe it's a lack of strength I don't feel like it's a lack of strength in Origidi's part at least uh, oppositional awareness in some respects but you can see for the the young kid that scored against the 18-year-old that'd be on the pitch for like five minutes if Josh
2: that. Coburn yeah. oh, he came in and dominated
1: uh, he came he, in
2: and turned the game
1: and he, he just jumped over Rigidi this 18-year-old kid obviously he's, he's a kid, kid too but still Rigidi's just hanging on to him like a rugby player like please don't jump <laughs> I, can't, I can't make it high as you uh, and he does just knock to the bottom corner. It was a great finish. Um, but it's just simple things that undo us time and time again. And it was the same thing with the um, with the uh, third goal like a simple ball to the back post from a corner. And I don't know if you looked at it, wasn't just the defensive uh, problems we had on this one, it was I think um, the guy that won the uh, the header at the borough end will beat about two of our players. Um, but Westwood. I don't of, know. I don't know what he was. What was he doing? <laughs> he, was, he was trying to push out two people in front of him to to win the ball. He had no rights getting him even close to. It. it was at least three feet away of a jumping eight foot person, and he's not eight foot. He was trying to move the entire defense out to get to the ball. I'm like, what are you doing? And by that point, he's completely out of position, and the ball somehow—I don't know—I went in. It gives a rebound off two people and goes in the back of the net because he's not there. No,
2: oh, if Westwood right, if Westwood just stood
1: there, that ball would have hit him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know.
2: No, it's it's the same old. It's comedy of errors.
1: Yeah, it was embarrassing and uh, deserved to lose against the team that were on the beach. For well, we didn't lose last week against Bristol, but we we probably deserved to lose, and uh, it felt like a loss. But another team we should have won, winning against Uncle Uncle Colin Warnock, <laughs> Colin Wanker. Uh, just yeah, absolute gift. Absolutely, gift.
0: Justin. Can you give me a bright spot? Anything to shift this mood just a little bit?
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought
2: uh, I thought Andre Green was looked very effective at least for the first half. Um, we've seen stretches of games where he's looked effective. I thought this was one of his um, best. He he was moving really well. He was comfortable attacking with the ball. He obviously drew that penalty with a a really nice bit of dribbling inside the box. This is one of those weird things where right? I just don't understand often why players don't dribble in the box more, uh, because that's what can happen. Uh, he made a decent move. The guy went for him and clipped his foot. Um, you know, that's, that's that. the, and, and I had also forgotten, uh, initially, uh, to watching the replay, but that was him who made the run and gave that perfectly timed and weighted pass to, uh, windass in the second half where windass had half the net open and ended up pushing it wide. Uh, but that was another play that was all Andre green going for a run and, uh, you know, making things happen. So I think later we'll talk about, you know, him talking about next year, but you know, that is something to, to feel good about that, that this appears to be somebody who provides some direct attacking flair,
1: um, for our team. It's a rare person in the squad that's got something to prove, right? You feel like a lot of these players are coasting and I just don't, don't really have the, the bit between the teeth. This is a person that's been out of contracts and not with a club for six months um, before he joined us. And it feels like he's finally getting match fit and feel like he's trying to prove a point and trying to prove his value. And he's, he said in an interview after the game that he sees himself staying out of his contract here without being league one of the championship. And for me, that's that's a positive. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up, Justin, because I think it was something that we could take out of this game and hold on to for the future.
0: We'll move on now to some Wednesday news. Why don't we start this segment, Patty, by telling listeners, everyone probably aware by now, but let's reiterate what exactly is needed for us to stay up with two matches remaining.
1: This is when I started to get really depressed doing the agenda. So that's why, <laughs> that's why I'm just drinking whiskey. Um, so as, you, as most people know, Rodham's got two games in hand. They had more games in hand, but they fucked it all up. And yet, yet they're still uh, hanging on there. So bottom line, we have to win both games. The only way if we don't win both games is if Rodham and Derby don't get another point all season uh, and we get at least one point against Forest. That would leave us with a ridiculous... Uphill battle, obviously. Uh the chances of them losing all four games is very, very low. Uh chance of Derby losing both their games, not as low, but relatively unlikely. So we need to win both games. Let's keep it at that. Uh if than win two of their last four games, again with their two games in hand, then we're down. If Derby win one of the two, then we're down. So, regardless of what happens, if we win both if, if we win both our games, but they win one or two or two or four. We're down. It doesn't matter what we do. So <clears throat> that's the task we have at hand. I think, um, I think five through eight, the uh, infamous uh, uh, statistical analysis website that's been uh, following politics for a long time, do a lot of sports stuff now. They have as a ninety-four percent likelihood of relegation at the moment. Uh, that's how unlikely it is that we we survive this. Um, and that's, that's just play some people well on data, I think, too. They haven't been watching us play, so if they've actually watched us play, I'll go back <laughs> a few percent, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's by no means a um, an easy task, uh, but it's not impossible either. Um, There's a, a small, if the most optimistic of Wednesday fans will have a small uh, increment of optimism still, uh, but we are at a do or die situation now.
2: Well, we've pitched away our opportunities to control our fate, right? And that's what it comes down to, as you pointed out. This, I I would like to mention, too, because I'll mention them later. uh, Huddersfield technically still could go down uh, if everything broke the wrong way uh, as well uh, for them. So, uh, but yeah, it's just we've pissed away our ability to, even if we win out, you know, if Derby beats a Swansea team that uh, Steve Cooper already admitted, he's going to basically throw out a reserve team uh, for that. Uh, Rotherham has to deal with Brentford, um, which is, you know, they'll they'll lose that. Uh, I think Luton plays really hard, so that'll be tough for Rotherham. But they've got to deal with a Cardiff and a Blackburn team that do not care. Their seasons are over. So you know, the odds of all of this coming together are tiny. I've been, I've been accepted that we're getting relegated for months now at this point. And that is what that is. Anything that can come out of this, this will be a hell of a story to talk about. You know, obviously we're, we're rooting for it. Um, I'm not one of those people who thinks going to league one would be good. Um, But yeah, it's, it's not, 6%, Six percent, Patty. Is that what it said? So if they do, basically, if there's a hundred made-up scenarios where they run the rest of the season, simulated in a computer, six times will will survive.
0: Yep. Justin, what percentage chance would you give us to stay at?
2: <laughs> I mean, that sounds about right. Like uh, Derby's, Derby's terrible. They're terrible. It's a horrible football team in in horrific form. Rotherham is a bad, bad football team. They're in bad form. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday is a bad football team in bad form. Uh, Wickham is just a bad football team. Uh, even I I was saying earlier, I'll put it in here. the, The team, the five teams above these four are Huddersfield. Huddersfield is a bad football team. Bristol city is a complete disaster. Uh, I don't care that they've won a couple games. I think Birmingham City is a terrible, terrible team. Forest, which we'll get into later, is not a good football team. They might be worse than us in some regards. Uh, they're just not as unlucky or maybe they're better coached or whatever it is. Uh, the only team that's at the bottom that's not a good team that I kind of have respect for is Coventry. I feel like they literally just don't have the talent, but they work so hard and play so well together. They're so well coached. That, you know, I'll give them some credit, uh, even though I don't think they're a talented team. I don't think they're a bad team. Everybody else I just mentioned is awful, awful football teams. And we're just mired with that group of them. So there, there is a chance that another awful team can be more awful than us over these next two weeks. But whew, it's
0: not much more than 6%. <laughs> Patty, same question.
1: Um, I, I would go and take on 538's expertise in statistical analysis and I will add on my watching Wednesday for the last 18 months and increase that possibility of relegation by another 3%. I think we've got a ninety-seven percent chance of getting relegated. <laughs>
0: That's tough.
2: What happens if you take the previous 30 years of Look 99%. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: I, I still have hope just I love for all, it. You, all you listeners that need some hope just know last that year. I have it I'll share it with you um, in the form of Liam Palmer <laughs> I have hope in Liam Palmer to bring us all together just wait two, two matches remaining I'm going to say three Liam Palmer goals in those last two matches
1: <laughs> he's getting closer to be fair he's had a few shots in the last few games <laughs>
0: that's right that's right well The EFL is trying to spare us, um, particularly our West Coast Owls, as they have moved the forest match to 12.30 p.m. over there, 7.30 a.m. our time on the East Coast, which is us three, but on the West Coast, three hours behind us, 4.30 a.m. I've already spoken with Mike in Portland, doesn't sound like he's going to get up to watch this one. What about you fellas, Justin?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I I play hockey Friday nights and then I sit in the parking lot and drink till about midnight. But I always have that alarm set with the iPad next to the bed. So I will, as always, wake up. Here's the one thing we talked about it a while ago and we all laughed at it. But why the fuck are they putting Forrest and Wednesday for other people to see? Like nobody who cares about football should be forced to... Even have an option to watch that game. I just don't even understand.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's some sick individuals in the world that get off on the rele- relegation <laughs> porn.
2: That's <laughs> exactly what this is.
1: Yeah. And not only that, it's on, in Sky Back Home in England, they put, they're showing the Swansea Derby game after it too. So you can watch all four hours of misery. Um, yeah, it's not good. It's a really bad move for us, obviously, in the US. Uh, I've got to convince uh, my fellow New Yorkers that it's worthwhile going to the city to watch it in a bar at 7.30 in the morning um, with uh, no breakfast served until 9.30 a.m. So it's, it's a tough sell, I'll give you that. Um, so, but we'll see. We'll, hopefully we can get some people to come with us.
2: I wish I lived closer, Patty. I think that might be too big of a drive for me,
0: though.
1: Yeah, especially that time.
0: I'll just come straight to- from hockey. <laughs> <laughs> We already talked about it a little bit, but Andre Green has committed to next year no matter what division we're in. He'll finish that contract year. What does this mean for the club, Patty, and do you th- what do you think, I guess, the attitude around the club is with certain players uh, about playing in League 1 next year, the potential of playing in League 1 next year?
1: Um I think obviously it'll, it'll go down to where they are in their careers I mean no one wants probably relegation to League One in their um, CV Uh, and that's what I think shaping Andre Green's uh, commitment I think Wednesday took a chance on him Um, I think he's got a lot to prove so I think he's he seems like a Stand up, guy. He Seems to be wanting to kind of play out his contract and and see what he gets some just to get playing time. And if we can promise him playing time in League One, which I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to promise him that, um, then yes, he should be uh, happy to uh, be part of that too. Well, and if
2: Moore can get the pieces he wants, he he will. I'm assuming switch to his preferred four two three one. And Andre Green is is built to be, uh, uh, you know, one of those attacking midfielders uh, up top. So. I think he would actually be very, very effective uh, in that type of lineup.
1: It's interesting. So let's jump off this a little bit. And so, I mean, that let's just talk about the, maybe the top four of that side in league one, what it could look like, the, uh, the kind of top of the Christmas street, so to speak. So I think we still need a, a target man uh, to complete the 4-2-3-1, if he wants to go down the route. Correct. I, I mean, then if we keep hold of Windass, and the form we don't know, which I doubt we will do, Windass could play... Uh, one of those three behind the striker, maybe the central uh, guy. Green on the left wing. We just need a, a kind of nice, handy right attacking midfielder, uh, and that's not Kareem Harris.
2: No, no, and I wouldn't want to get too much into it. I'm not sure I love Josh Windass in that uh, you know sort of attacking central midfielder role. For there, for for me, I I think when you see a a, a four two three one work so effectively that guy plays like an sort of uh, older, but uh, number 10 style of just distribution. That's the guy who, you know, you're looking to have the ball get out wide and then advance it and either put it in for the striker up top or, you know, try to go through the middle to that number 10 who can then distribute wide or up the middle. And I'm not quite sure when fits that bill. um, But I mean, I I think he's, and we'll, we'll talk about this too, but like he's, I think he's a decent football player, certainly at the league one level. You know, he's got things that he does well. He's fast and he's strong and he can shoot. Um, you know, I, I think he is capable of coming back and, and holding up play, not brilliantly, but I think he can do it. But I, I would prefer to see somebody else, even at the league one level in that position, at least. I'd almost rather see him in the nine spot at at the top of it.
0: Patty, how about an injury report?
1: A favorite. Um, I was going to mention earlier on that Tom Lee's uh, got a pretty bad injury against um, Middlesbrough. Um, Some of the faces that were around that injury, like Alan Reach and people looking at the the, the knee and the, the way he landed, they weren't very happy with it. Even the opposition players were... A little queasy, if it looks like thing. So it was clearly a bad knock. Um, the initial thing from um, uh, the injury report was that it doesn't look like it's fractured or broke. So it might not be as bad an injury as first thought, but I clearly don't see him coming back before the end of the season, in which case that would be the last we see of Tom Lee's in the Sheffield Wednesday shirt.
2: No, and I, I think, you know, I was going to say something earlier when you kind of rather dismissive of, of Mr. Lee's contributions over the last seven years. Uh, I, I'm not quite ready to yet, but you know, I, I think he does deserve a little bit of a, a better post-mortem given that for seven years, I think he's been a guy who's given everything he has to the club and what he has has come up short on more than one occasion. You know, he's like many at this club, a limited footballer, but at some point, you know, when the season winds down, I think it's worth taking a deeper look at. You know, the seven years that, that Tom Lees has given us. But for now, I think you're right. We're not seeing him the rest of the year. I mean, that motherfucker was hurting. You could see him on the uh on the shield there. They were carrying him off on. He was, you know, pounding his fists and you know, uh, veins in his neck standing out, type of thing. So you, you know we do air, him, too, we wish yeah. him wish the best.
0: You
1: know. You got gas in air too. So obviously, uh, that's something that your wife might be looking forward to, Evan uh, in the next few days too. Gas in air. <laughs> Yeah.
0: That's right. So I don't know if you guys saw this Dom and I think it was today for us right earlier today, he posted who he thought his player of the year was for Sheffield Wednesday. He chose Josh Windass. This is a two-sided question. Justin, we'll start with you. Do you agree? And since you don't agree, <laughs> who is your player of the year? Um, I don't disagree. I got to be totally honest. Yeah, no,
2: because it's like I read it and I was like, get the fuck out of here. And I went and like the the problem is he's the one eyed man in the land of the blind. You know, he's the he's the guy who's just if you look at his number, he's got nine goals, six assists, something like that. Nine goals, five assists, something like that. Nobody else is really. Patterson's seven goals, three assists, something like that. But if you really think of their overall contribution and, and biggest moments, uh, you know, this season, uh, I'd take Windass over Patterson. You know, I'd love to say Liam Shaw. I think Liam Shaw has been the brightest light on the team, but you know, how many games has Liam Shaw actually played? How long has he actually lasted? Um, and some of them. So like I, I just think when you go down and you look at all the, you know, everybody, if you're a Bannon guy, that's he's that I just sure give it to Bannon, but what, maybe that would be fitting in a season that, that this happens. I just, nobody did shit for this team all year, but Josh Ness seemed to provide the most uh, you know, at least offensively uh, the biggest uh, contribution. So I I didn't think that was as, as ludicrous of a call as it seemed at first.
0: Patty, do you agree and since you don't who is your player of the year
1: I had a similar reaction to Justin actually I was like Josh Windas I mean we've been we haven't been great on him uh, throughout the season I think um, I had a bit of a rant um, at him maybe about six weeks ago and that's kind of when his his forms up is kind of changed a little bit he's he's really I would say the last six weeks really applied himself very well he's Been unselfish. He's been passionate. He's put some uh, good tackles in. He's put some good uh, passes together. He's obviously scored some goals and got some assists. Um, So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's difficult to argue with at this point because in my recent memory, he has been our best player. Um, I also think Barry Bannons put some good performances in in our desperate times, but he hasn't maybe moved the needle as much as we need him to. I would say the other honourable mention I'd give out is maybe Asazi Urugide. I think I think he's done more um, than Liam Shaw as far as coming on as a, as a, as a prospect uh, and is currently not leaving us for Celtic. So let's uh, uh. Hand, hand to that thread until we can. Um, so, yeah, I would, I'll would i give those three my honourable mentions. I, I I don't really want to give anyone a play over the year season, if I'm honest with you. I think it should be cancelled. <laughs> But, um, when I you think, get
2: relegated? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You no, know.
2: Who, who how do you have a player of the year when you get relegated?
1: No, no. It's uh, it's not something we should be talking about, which is why I think. So, I think the most the reason why it was so controversial from Dumbahouse was that why he's talking about it in the first place. If it feels like a complete moot point. Um, so, I think that's what he got <laughs> the most shit for. So, um, yeah, Josh Winus probably takes it if it exists, and it shouldn't exist.
2: There's got to be some recency bias in there with that, but you know, at the same time, when you do look at the overall course the season it's he's he's certainly in the argument which is probably sums all that up
0: that does it for wednesday news we will take a quick break and when we come back we will preview Support for Owls America cast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners right now. You can get free shipping with the code OWLS at manscaped.com. That free shipping comes with 20% off as well. So visit manscape.com. Use code OWLS. Patty, Manscaped hooked us up with a bunch of tools and formulations for their perfect package 3.0 kit. I've been using it. I actually really, really enjoy it. Uh, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Super easy to use. Clean. Um Patty, I'm curious though. How have you been getting on with it?
1: Uh, well, Evan, um, I, I had a really funny experience with uh, like Manscaped within the first three days of my package landing. So, I have got the package 3.0 kit. It comes with the lawnmower 3.0, which is a really fantastic razor. It comes with uh, some boxer shorts. It comes with some t-shirts. It comes with uh, deodorant and um, like a refreshment spray as well. So my, we've talked a lot about the razor, which is fantastic, by the way, the light and the, the, the sheer quality of the build. Um, but I want to talk about uh, the deodorant, because obviously the first time I used the uh, the razor, I was like, right, let's give this deodorant a try too. It smells delicious, like kind of like manly and oaky. So did my business, put it on, and then uh, walked out uh, to take a dog for a walk a few hours later around our community, got a nice little walk around here. And uh, my dog always stops to play with some other dogs too, so he, was, he stops talking uh, with his uh, little Westie. And uh, this woman, who's this old woman, I would say back in her seventies, mid seventies, turns to me and starts. She goes, "Oh, sniffs a bit. You smell lovely. Uh, is that is that is that cologne you are wearing? What, what cologne are you wearing?" And at this point, I'm like, "Hang on a minute. What? Well, well, I don't ever get comments like this usually when I'm wearing cologne. I'm thinking I've just been showered, but I, I haven't put any. I haven't put any kind of." Um, like deodorant on me. I'm, I'm just kind of like oh naturel. And I thought, oh shit, it's the fucking, <laughs> it's, the, it's the manscaped, it's the manscaped ball deodorant. <laughs> so this, this moment of horror kind of goes like across my face. And I look, and she looks at me like, why are you telling me what you clone you're wearing, you weirdo? And I look her in the face, and it's like, I cannot tell this old woman that what she's smelling right now is my testicles. So I just said, yes, love, it's a new color. <laughs> I didn't tell her brand. I didn't, do it. I didn't give her a code for owls at manscaped.com. I just said, yeah, it's a new color. That's what you smell. And took my dog and walked off into the sunset.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> a beautiful story. You can get 20% off and free shipping with code owls at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code owls unlock your confidence, attract old women, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now back to the show. Welcome back to our Forest preview on episode 136 of Owl's cast Fellas, what do we have on Forest and what kind of chance? Well, we'll go back to the percentages. What percentage chance do we have to win all three points against Forest?
2: I mean, they they're a bad football team. All right, just so so real quick, how many goals? First of all, can either of you name for us leading scorer without if you recall looking at don't don't cheat and look at the sheet I made.
1: Lewis Graben. How many goals? Oh, uh, not many. Five.
2: No, no, good. Six. Right. <laughs> After him, they have Lyle Taylor. He has four goals. They spent like and loads then, of
1: money on him too, right? He was like the record yeah. signing. Well,
2: he he was excellent at, at Elite One. Um, I think he was with Charlton in the championship actually last yeah. year. Uh, there's a couple guys with three. Like this team cannot score. They've got, uh, they, they play a, a 4-2-3-1 under Chris Hughton who came in and interestingly Hughton who's always been a 4-4-2 guy uh, kept uh, the formation that they were using uh, the, from before. And, you know, he's got a couple uh, young central uh, midfielders in uh, Yates and Garner who he likes defensively. So he still plays, they still play that Chris Hughton. You know, it almost turns into a 4-5-1 uh, at times. Uh, but they do, they have up front some of their wide players. So Lewis Graven should be able to clean up garbage. Lyle Taylor should be able to clean up garbage. Anthony Knockhart, Sammy a- Amiobi, uh, Luke Freeman, former pig up front. I think he's actually on loan uh, from United. Like, they should have a lot of attacking uh, threat. And it just does not work for them. They are... Yeah, they're just not a good football team. So, I don't know, we, we'll probably score on them and they'll probably score on us. And hopefully the odd one in there goes our way and we pick up those three points.
1: We should talk about the um, the, the Forest fans on uh, social media, like praying for us to beat them because they're obviously big rivals with Derby County. And uh, they would obviously like to see Derby County go down. So they are are, are basically just hounding uh, social media around saying, please just put out the kids, put out our worst players, and let Sheffield Wednesday beat us because we want to see Derby, our rivals, go down, which I can totally understand. But you've got to understand that we we could probably lose to, like, just an empty pitch. I I put on Twitter that we could lose to 11 statues of Brian Clough if they put that out on the field. (laughs) (laughs) we are that bad. We could concede against nobody. Um, We don't need other teams to help us do a defensive mishap. Uh, So I I appreciate the Forests fans kind of clamor to let us win, but I don't feel like it's going to go as easily as they'd hoped.
2: (laughs) No, unfortunately. I mean, hey, we already had an 18-year-old beast us uh, last weekend. So having some Forest reserve uh, come in and do it wouldn't shock anybody. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's... And we got to get up early. Like, it's... Anybody that wants to bow out of this one, I you, you are certainly allowed to. I, I don't think anybody's going to critique your uh, fandom if you decide to not watch uh, watch this.
1: Evan, assuming you uh, have a newborn on Saturday morning, are you going to wake up at uh, 7.30 and, and show them the delights of Sheffield Wednesday?
0: I suppose at this point, it, or at that point, it would not be up to me what time I'm waking up. In the <laughs> right. So, this is true. So there's a good chance I'll be a good chance. In fact, if everything goes according to plan, I will be probably in a hospital bedroom, a hospital bedroom, hospital room, I guess they're bedrooms. Uh, we'll be, we'll be in the hospital Saturday morning at seven 30. I probably won't have anything else to do. So I'll have a <laughs> nice St. Rita's medical center omelet and coffee and Wednesday forest.
2: Hey, can I just say, uh, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to be there too long, but you guys should definitely take advantage of uh, hospital hospitality uh, after the birth. You get a couple days there where, uh, before you have to take that fucking thing home, where they just take care of you, they feed you, and they rub your back, and they take the baby, and they teach you how to swaddle it, and all these wonderful things. So just, yeah, soak that as long as you can. They rub Edmund's the back. Device. Why did they rub Edmund's
0: back for? That was that was the right question. <laughs> he was like, will, they, <laughs> will they rub my back?
2: They will if you ask nicely.
0: Okay. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Looking forward to some hospital back rubs. Uh, maybe if you apply a
2: certain uh, ball deodorant. Okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it I'll may pack help. it. I'll pack it in the hospital <laughs> bag for sure. We'll take it with me. Any other
1: business? Uh, yeah, I put a little thing on here at the end, which I saw on Twitter today. Um, the, I don't know how well organised this is going to be, but I thought at least help them get the word out. I think it's a positive step um that we're trying to do in, in, a, in a sea of negativity. Uh, we are still football supporters, and we are there to support this team, regardless of how much we talk shit about them on this podcast. Uh, so a guy on Twitter is trying to get started a high ho silver lining ahead of uh, our last home game against Forest uh, this weekend. Uh, he's asking people to uh, obviously do this safely in a, in a COVID-19 kind of like spread out, masks on way. But if they want to meet up at Wednesday at Car Park before the game starts and at kickoff, all join in with the traditional high house silver lining in some kind of um, last throw of uh, <laughs> of passion that we have left this goddamn club. And just hopefully the players will be able to hear it from across the road and spur us on to a win. I think it's a, it's a great initiative. Uh, I, I, hope people, I hope people turn up. I hope it's not the one guy on his own. Uh, so yeah, if you listen to this and you're in the Sheffield area and you can spare time to go and try and show the players that we do still care, we are still here, regardless of not being in the stands, uh, and they need to show that back uh, in this in this final two games, I think it's a good opportunity to get down there and show our support.
2: Yeah, I think it's an awesome thing. I think it's one of those things that... You know, as Americans, we kind of miss. Like, I, I was actually just going to ask, where, how, where is the car park, as you call it? Uh, I assume I'd call that a parking lot. Uh, is that just across? It's across the street. It's next to the stadium. It's
1: yeah, it's across the street from the cop. So it's the cop end of the stadium. Okay, it's, it's the it's kind of it's the Wednesday members car park. You can park there too if you're not a member with it, just pay extra. It's probably the closest car park you can get to the stadium. Um, so
2: yeah, if enough people go, then that. I mean. We know Wednesday supporters can make noise. We, we know that we're, whether or not we all see things eye to eye, we're passionate, um, you know, and, and it's, it, it really would be, as you put it, you know, Patty, a way to really just kind of show the, the players and the team, like, we're here, we're always going to be here, you know, now you need to show us the same level of commitment, you know, so
1: Indeed. Um, so, yes, that's all I know. I have retweeted the guy on Twitter on a New York Owls account. Uh, so, uh, if you need to see, there's no more details about what I just told you. That's as far as it goes. So, um, by all means, just turn up Wednesday at Car Park and uh, show your spot.
0: Well, we somehow squeezed an hour out of episode 136 of Owls AmeriCast. We enjoyed every minute. We hope you did too. You can find us online at owlsamericas.com. You can email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. You find us on Twitter at owlsamericas, on Instagram at owlsamericas, and a couple different places on Facebook. Just search Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. Our podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There is no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owls AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Support Owls AmeriCast. Support for Owls AmeriCast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with code owlsatmanscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls. Patty, what breakfast food item will you be sneaking into football factory? On Saturday?
1: <laughs> um, well, as yeah, as I can't eat till, till 9, 13 o'clock, I'm going to go for a McDi's breakfast. I was, uh, if if I can sneak one of those in the way, I like a sausage and egg muffin. and then uh, I'll fill up later on the day with some uh, wonderful Irish bacon that Jack can provide me from of factory. I'm sorry, Patty. What did, what did you call it? A sausage and egg muffin from where? McD's? McDonald's? I do not Did you D's? say Mackey D's? You said Mackey D's. Okay, yeah.
0: I've never
1: yeah, heard I like
0: that it. before. That's the bro, that's the bro, <laughs> yeah. I it, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Justin is on our screen with the Pitching Ninja t-shirt. He's on Twitter at New England Owl. Justin, what percentage chance is there for you to wake up and watch this match on Saturday?
2: 100%, but 100% percent
0: there's listen
2: the the alarm the alarm on my phone is under my pillow the alarm on the ipad is on the stand next to my bed i may be deaf and not have my hearing aid in i hear those alarms i will be up and peeling my eyeballs open to uh watch some beautiful the beautiful game right
0: the beautiful game indeed i am on twitter at jeff padinostro and we'll see you here next week